You're listening to a message provided by Antioch Bible Baptist Church in Gladstone, Missouri. We intend this to be a helpful resource to you as you grow in your walk with Jesus Christ. This is intended especially for those who are unable to attend our worship gatherings and therefore were unable to hear the teaching of God's Word. This should not replace your gathering with our church as a member. If you're checking us out for the first time and are looking for a church to visit, we hope that you enjoy this content and that it impacts you personally. Thanks for listening. I'm so thankful for my time here. Um, You guys have just loved me and my family so, so, so well. Um, And it it is a blessing to know that we can continue to be part of the extended family of Antioch when we go to Colorado. Hopefully not the crazy cousin you don't talk about, but extended family, right? Um, We we love you. Um, We're thankful for you. We're thankful for... um, the student ministry team, uh, like, like student ministry team and those guys who serve in there, over there right now, um, and on Wednesday nights, they, they make student ministry happen. Thankful for our staff, people that you don't even know sometimes that work behind the scenes that, that really take care of so much here at Antioch. Um, we're so thankful for, for the, the staff, the administrative um, people who keep us organized and keep the, the, the ship sailing for sure. Um, thankful for our pastors, uh, like, like I... Like if you're ever wondering what the pastors are like behind closed doors, like they're the real deal. Uh, they, they, they love the Lord. Um, they truly do. And, they, and they, they love you. They desire for you to grow in your relationship with Christ and to advance the gospel and make decide, like, like the things that, that you hear them say, they, they really believe those things and they, they are trying by God's grace to live them out. And so you, you, you're blessed as a church family with the, the pastors and staff that, that, that are on, that here. And so, so we're thankful um, and we're blessed um, that we've gotten to be a part of it for 10 years. So thank you uh, for loving us so well. Um, I, I would love for you to pick up, maybe pick up one of our prayer cards on your way out today. Um, there's some kind of on the corners of the stage, I think some tables in the back and at the welcome desk and such. Um, just have some ways you can pray for us. And, and my email address is there on the bottom. Um, and so if you don't like what I say today, don't email me. Um, but if you would like to keep up to date with what's going on, just send me an email and I add your, your email to the list of our newsletter that goes out. So, um, but, but yeah, so I'm thankful for you. Let's pray. And then we'll jump into Joshua chapter six today. So let's, uh, let's pray. Father, we thank you for our time together today. Um, we're grateful. We're thankful for this church and their faithful witness here in Gladstone and in Kansas City, but also all over the world. I'm thankful that, 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 that me and my family have had an opportunity to, to be a part of this family. Father, I pray that as we open up your word today, God, that you would challenge us, that you, you would be glorified, your name would be lifted high, And so, Jesus, we need you today. We can't do anything outside of you or without you. And we praise you for who you are and all you do. In Jesus' name, amen. Joshua chapter 6, that's where we'll be hanging out today. Uh, And so, a few years ago, I was uh, watching the NCAA men's uh, 
college basketball championship game. And uh, as, I, as I began watching the game, I began to notice there was this lag in my connection. Like, like the announcer would say, uh, and, and he made the shot, and the guy would be like dribbling down the court. Like, like the, there was a very clear disconnection between what I was hearing being said and what I was seeing. Does, any, does that drive anybody else crazy besides me, right? Anybody experience? Yeah. Like that is so annoying. And so I began to do what all men do and I tried to fix it. Um, and so, so I, 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 I tried the, the turn the TV on and off method. I was logging in, try, like, trying to figure out what was going on. And, and I'm, I'm trying these different things to, to, to fix and resolve the problem. And resolve the problem. I mean, I even got to this point where I was trying to just hit the TV method. Um, <laughs> it's not a good one. It doesn't work very well. And, and as I tried to resolve it, I finally was like, okay, I just, I, I give up. I just want to enjoy the game. And so I sat down and, and, and what I began to notice as, I, as, as the game went on, as the game went on, I, I, I would hear the announcer say something. And when he said it, and it was a good thing for the team I was cheering for, I, like my heart would get excited. Even though I hadn't seen the, 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 the play take place yet, even though I hadn't seen the bucket go in, like, like I, 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 was, I was excited. Or, or, or when he would say something negative about the team that I was cheering for, I, I would feel down. And I began to, to, to notice that, that I wasn't going based on what I could see, but based on what I heard. And so here's what I want to do today in Joshua chapter 6. Is I really want to talk about two things. And the first thing I want to talk about is, is, is the disciple-making mission that I believe God has given each and every follower of Jesus in this room. The disciple-making mission that, that, that God has given each of you in this room. Like, like, now, there's a general idea that, that, that we are all as believers to go make disciples, but I think individually, God has given each of us specific spheres of influence in which we are to be making disciples. And so I want to talk about, about that, and I want, then I want to talk about the faith that it takes to step out, trusting God's voice to make disciples, even when we maybe can't see the outcome yet. When we can't see the outcome yet. And so, so I hope you're excited, as you should be. Um, and so uh, Joshua chapter 6 is where it's going to help us do this today. So Joshua chapter 6, starting in verse 1, here's what it says. It says, now Jericho will shut up inside and outside because of the people of Israel. None went out and none came in. So, so where we pick this up today is you have the people of Israel who have uh, been delivered out of, out of slavery in Egypt. They have um, wandered the wilderness for 40 years and they have now crossed the Jordan River and they are about to begin to take possession of the land that God had promised their forefather Abraham all the way back in Genesis. They are about to begin this conquest of, of this uh, land. And the, the, the problem is, is that the first place that they come to is a very well-fortified strategic military city in the land of Canaan called Jericho. And, and Jericho was 
thought to be an impenetrable fortress. An impenetrable fortress. You kind of get an idea here of what it could have looked like. Um, and, and, and so as they come up to the city, there is, this, um, there is this ditch kind of dug around the city and this earth embankment that sits up here. And so, so for, from, the, from where they would stand down in the ditch up to the, up to the first level of the wall here, you're talking about, uh, I think it's about 20 to 26 feet high. Six feet thick, at least. It's, it's, a, it's a well-fortified city. But then you have this next layer of the upper wall. And the upper wall would have sat 40 to 46 feet above their heads. It was incredibly high. It looked impossible. It looked impossible. Humanly speaking, because many armies had tried... This mission was impossible. This was a humanly impossible task which they have been confronted with. How can they possibly defeat a city, as we read in just in verse 1, where, where the, the people are hidden on the inside? They can't even get to the people to defeat him. The, the, the mission and task in front of them seems impossible, humanly impossible. But it goes beyond that. Look here with me in verses 2 through 5. Not only is this humanly impossible, but also listen to this. And the Lord said to Joshua, See, I have given Jericho into your hand with its king and mighty men of valor. You shall march around the city, all the men of war going around the city once. Thus you shall do for six days. Seven priests shall bear seven trumpets of ram's horns before the ark. On the seventh day, you shall march around the city seven times, and the priests shall blow the trumpets. And when they make a long blast with the ram's horn, when you hear the sound of the trumpet, then all the people shall shout with a great shout. And the people shall go up, everyone straight before him." So not only is this a humanly impossible situation to take the city of Jericho, it is impenetrable, but also it is humanly illogical. The battle plan doesn't make a lot of sense. Like just try to imagine with me for a second that Joshua is going into his war room with his generals and commanders and such and, and he, he's listening to them talk about, okay, this is the strategy we're going to go about. And one guy's like, hey, listen, we're going to build a lot of ladders, and we're going we're gonna to put the ladders up there and we're going to scale up and, and we're going to lose some guys for sure in that first wave that goes into the city. But, but then we'll begin to overwhelm them and we'll take that. And another guy's like, listen, that's a terrible idea. Listen to my idea. We're going to build catapults. Um, and we're going we're gonna to build these catapults and we're going to launch these massive boulders at the walls to take them down that way. And in fact, let's light the boulders on fire. Right, like it, it, and and then the others like, no, that's a terrible idea too. It's uh, too too messy, and and so this guy's the next guy's like, okay, we're just gonna surround the city, we're gonna surround them, and hopefully nobody's gonna get in and out, and we're just gonna starve them to death. And then Joshua finally speaks up, and he goes, listen, guys, all of your plans are terrible. I got a plan from God. Here's what we're gonna do. We're gonna get the worship band together. And we're going to march around the city. But just, just one time. We're going to march around the city one time for the first six days. But on the seventh day, we're going to march around seven times. And on that seventh time, we're going to shout to the Lord. 
and the walls are going to come down. That's the plan. Let's go. Now, it's funny because we, kind of, we know how the story goes, right? Like we, we kind of get, we're familiar with the story of Jericho enough to know how it goes for them. But, but, but you got to think in that moment where they don't necessarily know how it's going to turn out, this has got to seem like an idiotic plan. Like, the, like you got you to know some of his commanders. Like, are you sure? Like, is this guy really the guy taking over for Moses? Like, what's going on here? Like, it is humanly illogical battle plan. And it's a humanly impossible mission. And yet, thankfully, we don't serve a God who is bound by human ability and human logic. And so, and so this is where the people find themselves. And I, and I, and I think that this is how many of us can find ourselves today. When it comes to the, 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 the disciple-making mission that I think God has maybe given you, whatever that looks like for you, whatever sphere of influence he is calling you into to make disciples, whether, whether that's your home, whether that is your neighborhood, your, your place of work, wherever you go, wherever God has called you into, he's called you to make disciples there. This is part of who we are as believers. This is part of our new identity in Christ as disciple makers. And yet, when we look at the task in front of us, when, when, when we begin to see it, it feels humanly impossible. It feels humanly illogical. What do you mean, God, just pray for them? Like, that feels so unproductive. What do you mean just, just, just trust your word? And yet this is where we can find ourselves questioning, okay, God, how am I supposed to do this? Like, I want to be honest with you, as, as, I, as I, we get ready to go plant a church out in Indian Hills, Colorado, there are nights where I wake up and I'm just like, okay, God, you're going to have to do this because I have no idea what I'm doing right now. I can't do it. Show me what to do, Lord. This feels impossible. 90% of this community is unchurched. And yet I feel like, and, here, can, and I invite you to pray with me in this. I feel like the Lord has really burned my heart that, 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 that we would see go from 90% unchurched to 90% churched in one generation. Now, I can't do that. I'm not, I'm not gifted enough. I'm not skillful enough to, to make that happen. If that's going to happen, that's going to be by God's grace. And, so, and so, we, so we're stepping out in faith in this impossible situation that's humanly really illogical that the people would just shift like that in one generation. And yet we can feel like this when God has laid something before us to make disciples. And so, so where is God calling you to right now? Is it a family member? Is it a coworker, a neighbor? Who is he calling you to go and make disciples of? And so let me see if I can encourage you in this calling and in this mission God has given you. So look back with me here in Joshua chapter 6 because at the end of the day it's a matter of perspective. It's a matter of perspective. Joshua chapter 6 starting in verse 1 it says, Now Jericho was shut up inside and outside because of the people of Israel. 
None went out and none came in. Notice that line, because of the people of Israel. While things may seem illogical and impossible for us, we never know fully how God is already going before us. We don't fully grasp how God might already be at work when we don't even see it happening. You see, so what we, we, we know here is that the, the people of Jericho, they're hiding. They're hiding from the people of Israel. But, but, but they're not hiding because the people of Israel are anything special. Like, like, like it's not a well-equipped army. It's not a well-trained batch of warriors. This is not who the people of Jericho are dealing with. They're dealing with a bunch of slaves who were farmers and built, built walls and stuff in Egypt. Like this is who they're dealing with. Not well-trained warriors. And yet they're fearful of them. Why? Because of the God that is with them. Because God has been going before them. You see, word has spread about them throughout the land and everybody's afraid of them. Why? Because God delivered them out of one of the most powerful nations in the world at that time. And not by some strategic military force. He delivered them by his miracles and his works. He delivered them across the Red Sea on dry land. He provided for them while they were wandering around in the wilderness for 40 years. And now he's delivered them across the Jordan River on dry ground, just very similar like he did the Red Sea. The word has gone out about these people and the God in whom they serve. And so they go into this situation where God is already going before them, where he is already laying the groundwork, where people are afraid because of the God in whom they serve. And so when we comes to our disciple-making mission, we don't know how God's already going before us, but also we go with an powerful, incredible God. He goes with us. Like, like if, if you're hungry to see the power and presence of God in your life more, to see his, his power like, like, at work and his presence with you in the day-to-day, start making disciples, and I promise you'll begin to see that. Because if you look at me, I'm not going to go there, but Matthew 28, what does Jesus say? He says, go make disciples of all nations, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded, and there I'm going to abandon you? No, there I will be with you. If you want Jesus to be with you, you go make disciples. And it's as we are going and making disciples in the everyday stuff of our life that Jesus is with us in that. He goes with us. We don't know how God's already going before us. And we trust the strength of God rather than the strength of ourselves. So the people of Jericho are fearful of the people of Israel because of the God that is with them, the God in whom they serve. And the situation is impossible from human perspective, but not impossible from God's perspective. Look with me here in verses two through five again. Notice the the, the verb tenses here as we work through this. Verse two, it says, and the Lord said to Joshua, see, I have given Jericho into your hand with its king and mighty men of valor. Notice the past tense Verbiage there. I have given. They have yet to do anything, and yet, from God's perspective, His eternal uh, sovereign perspective, He says, I have already done this. I have already accomplished this for you. I have given Jericho into your hands. But then, 
See how it changes in verses three through five. He says, but you shall march around the city. You shall do this for six days. The seven priests shall bear trumpets of ram's horns. You shall march around the city seven times on the seventh day. And the priests shall blow the trumpets and you shall shout with a great shout. And the city will fall down flat. You see, as followers of Christ, we fight from victory, not for victory. We get to fight from victory, not for victory. Christ, in the disciple-making mission that he has given you, he has already won every victory you could ever possibly need to win. He has done it all for you. So now, as we make disciples, we simply get to step back and point to Christ and say, look what he's done. And so we get to fight from victory, not for victory. We don't have to win a battle because he's already won it all for us. He is everything that anybody needs to make disciples and to become a disciple. So we fight from victory, not for victory. And we step out in faith, trusting his voice more than what we can see. We step out without knowing the outcome all the time. Are you tracking with me on that? Like, like, I I think there can be confusion when we start talking about faith sometimes. I think there's a lot of uh, things in our world, a lot of preachers in our world today who would want to say, well, if you just have faith, everything's going to be great and dandy in your life and God's going to bless you and give you $10 million and all this stuff. Let me tell you something. That's not true. (laughs) Trust me. (laughs) I've tried. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) Uh, But, and so, so what, what I want to just, just hopefully just, just point out for a second is, is that, is that we, we don't move in faith into what God has called us to based on the outcomes. We move in faith because we trust the one who's told it to us. No matter what the outcome is or could be, we move in obedience because we trust the one who's called us. So, like, like there, there's this very real reality to me. As, as, as much, as, as high as my hopes are for this church plant in Indianapolis, as, as much as I'm excited for what I believe God can do and I, and I, and I hope he will do, I'm also, very really, I'm also very aware of the reality that, that it could fail. That it's probably gonna be really painful at times. It's gonna be challenging. It's not always going to be crazy cool miracles that we're waiting, like, like those, I believe those could happen, but, but, the, but that's not why we're going. We're going because God has told us to go. I don't know how this is going to go and play out in the next 25, 30, 40 years. But we go because God has called us to go. We move because he's told us to move. Like I think, like I think, I think we, we have to stop worrying about failing all the time. Like as followers of Christ, I, I think we don't engage more in disciple making and in the mission of God because, because we're afraid of failure. We're afraid of not doing it right, of messing up. But, but the reality is, is that God is not pleased with the outcomes we produce. He's pleased with our faith and obedience. Like God doesn't need you to be perfect. That's why he sent Jesus. 
So we can move based on faith, trusting the outcomes to the Lord. And I, and I heard a pastor say this, and I think it fits here really well this last week, and, and I think it's good. But sometimes God calls us into things because of what he wants to do in us more than he, what he wants to do through us. And he is more concerned with our holiness than our happiness. He's more concerned with your holiness than your happiness. And so we go based on what God has said. And listen, and here's the reality. Satan is gonna get in your ear. He's probably already in your ear saying, you can't do this. You, you, you're, you're not able, you're not well equipped enough to do this. You, you don't know your Bible well enough. You don't know enough theology. And let me tell you something, that making disciples requires no theology degree. It doesn't. Like, like, I promise you, that is not God whispering in your ear. That is Satan who is the accuser making those accusations. And so we begin to, to, we have to move trusting that it is God's mission, not our mission. That he loves people more than we love people. That he wants to do something even if we can't fully understand it. And so we begin to make excuses, right? Like we, we make excuses, I don't have time, or I don't do this, or excuse, excuse, excuse of why we can't make disciples, of why we can't be engaged in the mission of God that he's calling us to. And, 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 and whatever that excuse is, here's the reality. We have to use what we got. Like, like whatever gifts, whatever skill set, wherever you're at in your relationship with Christ, I believe he has gifted you uniquely to influence the people around you as only you could, as I never could. Use what you got. I love what Pastor Todd says often. He just says, I love he says, if you know how, like when it comes to discipling your kids, if you know how to read, you just open your Bible and you read it. And you're discipling your kids. It does not take an advanced theology degree to make disciples. It requires faith in Christ and the Holy Spirit that indwells each and every believer. And now we can move because we all have the same Holy Spirit. And God is able to do far more abundantly than all we ask or think. And so we make disciples based on what we got, not on who we are. Like, like it's not about perfect. Like, think about this. So um, when kids are learning to walk, right? Like God uniquely designed little kids when they're learning to walk, they have really big heads. They're, they, as they, as the, that big head falls forward, it take, their momentum takes and they start accidentally taking steps and all that good stuff, right? Um, I remember when my, my kids were learning to walk, um, they, they would take two or three steps and then what would happen? They would fall, right? Right? And, and let me tell you what didn't happen for me. In that moment, I didn't walk up, smack them on the back of that large noggin that they have and say, what's the deal? Why aren't you, walk why, why can't you figure this whole walking thing out? I can walk, your mom can walk, your sister can walk, what, what's wrong with you? Like, I, I didn't do that, right? No, what, what did I do? I, I cheered and I celebrated because I was excited that my kid was learning to walk, that she had taken three steps. It was an awesome, exciting moment for me. Why do we think that God doesn't also celebrate when we take those baby steps when we're first starting? And why do we think that he's not celebrating when we start to learn how to, to run? 
and it takes time, but, but, but we have to start with those baby steps of faith that says, okay, God, I don't know how this is gonna go. I don't know the outcome of it all, and I don't think it's gonna be perfect, but I'm gonna step out in faith. Like, I remember the, fir- I remember the first guy I got to lead to the Lord when I was in fourth grade. I was in fourth grade, I, I got to lead one of my friends at school to, to Christ, and, and, I, and I still remember, and I still remember the things I said in that moment. And it was bad. Like, like it was not good theology, um, and yet, and yet God still used that. God can use our imperfect, broken abilities for his glory. And so we just take steps of faith, trusting in him for the outcome. Not ourselves. And we have to, we have to start thinking about discipleship and mission, the mission of God in a different way. Like, like we, we have to stop we have to stop thinking that it's always taking the walls of Jericho or planting a church, okay? Because it's not. That's not the primary place discipleship happens. Discipleship primarily happens in the everyday mundane things of life. Like the, like, like the mission of God is not primarily an event you attend, okay? Like, 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 like mission trips are good. Events are helpful, I'm not, I'm not against events, so don't, don't hear me saying that. I think events can be part of that. But, but, but primarily, I believe discipleship happens in the everyday stuff of our lives. In the everyday stuff of our lives. It, it looks like me being intentional when I go to that gym to work out. It looks like me, me being intentional at the dinner table with my family. It looks like me being intentional about when I, when I come home in the evenings and my neighbor's out mowing his yard talking to another guy this weekend, it looks like me being intentional about playing disc golf. Like, like whatever activity you are already engaged in and involved in, like, like disciple making doesn't have to be an extra thing we have to add to our calendar. It happens through the things that are already on your calendar. And I think we have to try and shift our mindset around that. We have to think a little differently about it. Because disciple maker is not just what we do, it's who we are in Christ. So we move in these areas, in these places in our lives imperfectly at best. Trusting God can do more than we ask or think in them. I need to wrap up. So here we go. I'm going to jump down to verse 15 and we're going to wrap up here. So uh, it says, it says this in verse 15. It says, on the seventh day, they rose early at the, day, at the, at the dawn of day. Um, so the, the, they did the march around the first six days. So here come to day seven. Um, and they're following God's word. Uh, it was, uh, sorry. It was only on that day that they marched around the city seven times. And at the seventh time, when the priests had blown the trumpets, Joshua said to the people, shout to the Lord, or shout, for the Lord has given you the city, and the city and all that was in it shall be devoted to the Lord for destruction. Here's, here's what I want to focus on here. Only Rahab the prostitute and all who were with her in her house shall live, because she hid the messengers whom we sent. Here's what we know. We know that the, all the people in Jericho are afraid of the people of Israel because of the God that has gone with them. And if we had time, we would go back to Joshua chapter two and we would see this interaction between the spies and Rahab. But, but here's what we know happens. Rahab's fear of the Lord leads her to faith in the Lord. Rahab's fear of the Lord leads to faith in the Lord. That doesn't happen for everybody in Jericho. 
Everybody in Jericho, does their, their, their fear of God does not lead to faith in God. Their fear of God actually leads them to take shelter and refuge and safety in their own strengths and concoctions of walls, human-built walls. But Rahab doesn't trust the walls. She trusts in God. So, so this, this is the gospel. That, that if you're in the room today, I'm, I'm assuming there's some sort of fear of the Lord, some, some sort of fear of the Lord in your life, uh, fear of, of spending eternity separated from him in hell. And, and that's a very real thing. But that fear alone is not going to get you eternity with God in heaven. That it has to lead to faith in Christ. That, 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 that your salvation, your faith is not based on the things you do, not based on your church attendance, not based on how moral of a person you are, not based on whether you cuss or don't cuss, drink or don't drink, do this, don't do that. That your salvation and your, 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 your eternity is not wrapped up in anything you can do, but it's completely wrapped up in what Christ has already done. And so we can have faith that what Christ accomplished for us is good enough. And do not allow your fear of God to stop there. Allow your fear to lead to faith. And step out and trust in Christ. He says, I am the way, the truth, and life, and no one comes to the Father except by me. And so, so here's my two questions for you today, and I'm done. Number one, have you ever placed your faith in Christ Alone for salvation. I don't care if you've been coming to church your entire life or if this is your first time in the door today. Like, I don't care how moral of a person you are. If you've never taken a step of faith and say, Jesus, I need you to save me, then right now, you are on your way to eternity separated from him in hell. And yet, he is being gracious to you today and he is saying, Come to me. Come to me. Come to me with your burdens. Come to me with your, your heavy ladens and I will give you rest. And so if that's you today, I encourage you. I, I, I would love to have a conversation with you about what that looks like to put your faith in Christ. I know there's others in this room that would love to have that conversation. Like I, I guarantee you, you can just tap on somebody's shoulder around you and they, would, they could tell you about how you can begin a relationship with Christ. If not, Come find me. I'll have that conversation with you. Secondly, what's the disciple-making mission God has placed in your life? Who is God calling you to step out and begin to pour yourself out to so that they can know and walk with Christ more fully? Maybe it's through one of the serving opportunities out here. Maybe it's in another form or fashion. Maybe it's at the soccer field. Maybe it's Maybe it's at the gym, your work, your neighborhood. I don't know. But what is God, where is God calling you to make disciples at? Father, we thank you for today. Thankful for the opportunity to just gather with this church family. And God, we just are, we know we need you. Um, Lord, I pray, Lord, that we would take a step of faith today um, and be, begin to make disciples wherever you have placed us, wherever you have called us. I pray for the person in the room today that has never put their faith and trust in you as Savior. I pray, Lord, that they would find me or find somebody else and they would have that conversation today. They wouldn't leave this building today until they've talked to somebody about how they can start that relationship with you. Father, we need you so desperately. We can't do anything without you. In Jesus' name, amen. 
Thank you for listening. You're always welcome at Antioch. If you desire more information, please go to AntiochBBC.org. That's AntiochBBC.org. God's best to you.